Hello and welcome to Living Being. I'm Patrick Ramble. I'm Chris Park. This is the podcast where we talk about everything and anything to do with bees. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yes, it's a lovely foggy day here. I, mean, like I, I was out last night walking the dog in the kind of frosty, crunchy grass and leaves, and the moon was amazing in the sky with the Mars close to it. And, and today it hasn't really cleared, and I haven't been near a beehive today at all. Right. I was doing a bit of modification to, to the bee house uh, yesterday, just uh, shuttering down some of the doors of the of the bees' entrances in the bee bedroom. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. Put put some more bookshelves in there. Nothing else to report really on the bee front. Have you got any bookings for the for the bee house? Any coming up? And do you think you'll get any off after Christmas? Or yes, yeah, I'm sure I'll put it. I'll open it up again, and people will come flocking. It's a to, perfect. Uh, it's a perfect Christmas present for for a, for a loved one. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I did. I did make some tokens. Actually, they haven't been cashed in yet, but I did make some tokens for a friend who bought them as gifts for people. Oh, that's brilliant! Yeah, you like could do an hour, an hour in the bee house. I tell you, it'd be a brilliant experience day. You know, you get those red letter um, experience days where people do parachute jumps and. All sorts of stuff. Well, I'll tell you this, that I did actually put it on Airbnb as an Airbnb experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and, and, you can't, I, can't, I can't remember what I called it, Beehive Air Therapy or something. Yeah, or, or B&B Air, something like that. <laughs> and so, so you come along and, and enjoy the Beehive Air and learn a bit about apotherapy and watch the bees through the window and, yeah, and, and maybe taste a bit of honey, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, great. No, no, no. It sounds, it's, I, I really, you know, we're after lockdown, we'll have to come up and all the way up from uh, Pembrokeshire and come and uh, That's right. experience <laughs> yeah. it. And it does feel, yeah. it feels, feels quite a lot further away. I was going to say, we, we've got a, a honey tasting podcast planned, haven't we? Yes. And, and the guy uh, that's kind of pulling all that together, uh, Giacomo, he, he lives in Monmouthshire. So I was wondering if we could meet sort of somewhere in the middle because you know now you're in Pembrokeshire and I'm still in sort of Oxfordshire maybe we could sort of meet somewhere somewhere in the middle that might be close to to Giacomo that would be that's a really good idea let's do that yeah yeah let's make a plan for that after after um the new year and uh yeah maybe if they come up with a few more vaccines (laughs) (laughs) vaccine tasting vaccine tasting exactly um Anyway, no, I, I, I've had, I sort of had a, a bee thought, a bee, bee experience the other day, a bee moment. I was cutting someone's hedge, which was um, my last sort of gardening type contract. And I saw a honeybee, something was on in flower, and there was obviously some, some source of nectar for the, for the honeybee. And I was, you know, I was just watching mm-hmm. this honeybee. It was all alone. And I was just thinking what it felt like. Because, you know, all other species, uh, solitary bees or... Even um, social bees like bumblebees and stuff—they're all either uh, sort of gone on or or hibernating, yeah. and you just don't see anything else around. I mean, you might see a few flies, but this insect must feel very alone at this time of year. You know, if it had a if it had a lonely uh, the ability to feel lonely, which we don't know whether it does. You know, to be all, all out there in the, in the big mm-hmm. wide world with with really with really very little. Uh, competition from any other insects must be very weird oh i see yeah you know yeah. what i mean so i just sort of put myself in that bee's shoes you know you're the last insect around at the end of the year yes um, so i wouldn't be sensing many other any other predators or any other activity and, and like, like you know like that like when you head out in a when a, the landscape is covered in snow yeah and you get that really kind of crisp kind of feeling of of uh, like a blank canvas, yeah, yeah, something a bit like that maybe. Yeah. But then you, but then you come back into the hearth where the family is and the fire's on and all the hive scent is there and you you get given a mince pie and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Spread so, yeah. out the oven, yeah, yeah, with some creme fraiche on top or yogurt, whatever you prefer. And then suddenly it's Christmas. <laughs> 
Yeah, solstice time. There's that it's that mythical moment, isn't it? You know, you, re- you read in some books that the the queen bee starts laying again at the at the midwinter solstice. You know, like like when they've all got it programmed in them. But actually, it's not true. But it, you know, but it's somewhere around there, depending on the weather. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in in this podcast, we uh, we got an opportunity to talk to a, um, a man known as Bioni Samp, and. Uh, Amazing. I mean, how do we come across Bert Bioni? We 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 found him. I think we. You found him. You you and Verity found him somehow. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it what what struck us was his music. Uh, well, he's a beekeeper, but his 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 interests in in the hive and the interest in the sounds of the bees and how he's incorporated it into his um, into his music, and. Um, and also how he's incorporated into his whole mental attitude towards um, bees and the environment and stuff. It's it's really fascinating. It was really fascinating to, to hear from him. But Chris, you spoke to Bioni, didn't you? I spoke to Bioni, yep. And it was a strange day, wasn't it? We, we didn't quite couldn't quite get the connection up and running for some reason. So it ended up with just me and Bioni chatting. And we just kind of, we just hung out, chatting away. It was great. I really enjoyed speaking to him and learning about his life and his beekeeping past and uh, his music and how and why and and where and his bee house. And yeah, he's an inner city beekeeper, which is always interesting for me because I'm not. Yeah. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed chatting, yeah. And so when we caught up with Bioni, he was... Um he was starting to tell us about how the pandemic had uh, affected his music and um, his his general so- social well-being, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. And and obviously, um, you know, the pandemic's affected all musicians in, in a big way. It does sound as a, as if he's been doing as if he has been busy though. And it's he's an interesting life, isn't it? Because he's a beekeeper and a musician. You know, actually a little bit like us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, right. know, you, you and I are as well. So, you know, and he's combining these two things, which is quite a, it is an interesting combination. So just before we go over to Bioni, let's listen to one of his tracks. Uh, this one's called Journey to the Centre of the Beehive. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Great. Well, how are you doing uh, today? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's um, it's kind of nice to actually meet some new people, even if it is online. I yeah, was just thinking, yeah. just thinking recently um, that I haven't actually met any new people for ages um, outside my kind of circle. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd normally meet people at festivals and gigs and stuff like that. Sure. So you're a musician who and you play at festivals or you, you DJ at festivals and things like that, is that right? Yeah, well I mainly perform my B um B frequency music act, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've just been listening to, to something you sent earlier, which is a journey to the centre of the hive. Which is a Yeah. A, which has made me, it really made me smile towards the end, actually. And at the beginning, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, lovely to hear bees and to listen to the, this, you know, being a beekeeper, obviously, you enjoy that sound. It might terrify some people, but it's, um, yeah. it's a lovely sound, isn't it? And then, and then there's some moments there I felt like, oh, are the bees, what are the bees saying? If I'm really listening, are they happy, unhappy, busy, um, over-concerned with something or, or having a, a, a good time? And then towards the end, something really made me smile. Towards the end of that that track, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's um, what what that is. Is it's a track I made a few years ago, yeah, um, using my Hive synthesizer, which I've uh, been working on for quite a few years. It's a sort of hybrid synthesizer which emulates. B sounds and then recently I was doing something for the BBC yeah and they brought brought along this um, ambisonic mic which was quite expensive I think it was about 1500 pound wow so, so what, I was really... what does that do what's different about that mic to any other mic yeah I mean it's amazing it's um it, it we didn't manage to fit it inside the beehive because it's it's kind of like a ball shape and it has yeah. five five microphones inside and it uses some kind of advanced encoding technology to um combine all the mics into a stereo signal um and it sounds really great um, you feel the headspace with it. So I thought I'll just okay. take a few bits of that and then add them to my previous track I'd made to kind of spatialise it. I do a lot of stuff with um, sculptural sound, I call it. Yeah, really. you know, just thinking that, because it's not really music. I mean, I mean, in a sense, it doesn't really have a beat or... A... Uh, it does have a melody, isn't it? But it's a kind of bees, and it, and it's like it's like you're having a conversation with them. That's what, what how I kind of consider it. It's like, oh yeah, you, you've got this synth that works, uh, uh, and that's kind of um, working on their language, if you like, and and the frequencies that they use. And it's yeah. like, and and then you've recorded them, and you're having a conversation almost. But and but I, when I'm imagining that in a club kind of scenario, I'm thinking you must be mixing that with dance music or something. Or, or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I use a sort of combination of synthesizers and I, I generally make something new for each gig, um, depending right. on what, you know, what's, what the audience is like. I mean, yeah. last year I did three gigs in Berlin um, and I've travelled quite extensively with this um, B-frequency um, stage act i've got um, yeah and how do how do people respond to it i it really goes down well i'm i'm yeah. always pleased with um the audience response it, a lot of people tell me that they've somehow connected with nature through it which is a great yeah. compliment um i kind of started out making this 
synthesizer and and performing to try and raise awareness about the plight of bees and um, I am very happy that I get feedback like that yeah and a lot of people some people kind of read into it that it's going to be quite meditative okay kind of chilled out but often it's not I tend to sort of meditate myself on my performance before it happens and I somehow channel the bees or my bees in my bee house Um, and I try and pick up on that kind of vibe just before the gig okay so you think then, are you kind of almost like you're ad, an advocate for their whatever their voice is and perhaps i mean am, yeah. I, am I pushing the boat out too far no no no, no. So, so perhaps you're like your 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 goal is to take uh to listen to your bees and then to bring what they have to say or their message if you like to to a dance floor somewhere to the yeah, wider and, world and that's that's often you know, it, it, I try and include kind of all elements in the performance um, where I act out a series of um, B kind of techniques. So yeah. I use my um, electronic B smoker, which is all my synths are based on the principle that there's three types of B in the hive. Yeah. They each have their own frequency range. Yeah. And then the performance kind of, it will go through different stages of um, Bs. And it often ends with it being quite upfront and kind of angry in a way because, you know, Bs are kind of angry at humans, I think, more than when I was younger. They were more yeah. chilled out, mm-hmm. but bees are maybe a bit agitated these days by can our be, they, yeah. interference in them in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so I try and um, complement that with, with my performance. And a lot of people who come along and see what I'm doing are people who I regard as completely losing all connection with nature oh, i see yeah i was going to mention ur- that urban yeah, yeah urban uh, people yeah you know. so they're in a they're in a highly mechanized setting in a nightclub or in a festival surrounded by speakers and perhaps on you know mind-altering substances or whatever you know, but in a, in a kind yeah. of highly technical space but and yeah. so, so it's great to hear you say that they then feel a bit closer to nature afterwards after you've given them this kind of more natural sound that's yeah i think it takes a while for it to sink in you know Mm -hmm. um it it can be not immediate but after people say oh that really stuck with me you know out of whatever else was on that evening yeah um people will often email me two days later and say i can still hear those sounds you know which is (laughs) great great to hear really um so what do you listen to when you're not when you're not uh, making synthesized B music? I I listen to a wide range of music. Um, I'm a massive music fan. I have my own um, show on a community radio in London, okay. mm-hmm. community radio station. Yeah, and I've I've been a DJ since you know the early eighties, really. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm from near, you know, um, I'm from Yorkshire, uh, from the same town as Henry Moore was from. And I think his big sculptures have been a big influence on my sense of space within sounds and stuff. Uh Um, and also obviously other Yorkshire locals, um, Sheffield was just down the road so I'd go and see bands and was you know influenced by a lot of electronic music from Sheffield Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I've always liked what people have said about industrial music and using sounds from their environment and one thing which I think Richard H. Kirk said 
about Sheffield was at any time of day you can be walking around. This is probably being the centres. Yeah. And you just hear this enormous clanging sound whereby a 50-ton girder was getting stamped in in a steel mill. Right. And because it's like a big bowl, Sheffield, you couldn't really ignore those sounds. And I used to love going to Sheffield and hearing this, you know, hugely mechanised sort of industrial sound yeah, so environment. If, if Sheffield was a hive then that would have been part of the sort of vibration going through the, the place. Absolutely yeah. And I, I'm thinking of uh, of now a lot of people's work is online isn't it and, and perhaps you're, ta- yeah. you're tapping into that kind of hive mind that we get through the world wide web, that kind of connection and, and perhaps your, your, the, your work and yeah. the, the sound of your work is, is almost like amplifying that that hidden sound of of everybody's connection and Wi-Fi and Ethernet and all and that kind of stuff is is coming to the front somehow in your work. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still quite busy with what I do. I'm doing a lot of virtual gigs from home. Um, yeah, and you live in London now. Yeah, I live in London. I and, and you keep here. you keep bees in London too. Yeah, I've. Um, with a friend, I co-designed this bee house, yeah. which is based on an Eastern European design. Okay, yeah. Cross with the Walter Siegel timber frame build oh, yeah. design. Yeah. So, I'm very much into timber frame and eco building. Yeah. Um, and I've somehow through thing people moving away and th- and charity structures changing i've um become the legal guardian of this bee house okay. in, in in london yeah and which part of london it's in finsbury park okay lovely uh, it's called called finsbury park bee house yes yeah. and i am the director of this um there's lots of things happening in the park it's yeah. in a community garden mm-hmm. And, you know, during lockdown and what we've been going through this year, it's become yeah. a really important kind of space for people to yes. escape Sanctuary, the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I've been doing is I've been doing these B-frequency meditation sessions every Saturday. Yeah. Great. Like great. an hour yeah. before sunset. Um, and they've been really successful in people just having a bit of time for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've just put different speakers inside the bee house. Yeah. I mean, it's a long story, but the bee house fell into disrepair once a big tree branch fell on the roof okay. earlier this year. Oops. We had a big leak and yeah. it ripped, ripped a hole in the felt on the roof. Yeah. So... That's being refurbished, but instead of just paying somebody to fix it, or because right. we've raised quite a bit of money through charity events to, yeah. to repair it, I decided to run it as a community building project mm-hmm. so people can come along, learn how to do basic carpentry stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of bridging into... Uh, building your own beehive yeah so what we did was we moved the bees out the bee house um, into their own individual hives outside great and and what that did for the first time was create a space within the bee house to actually do little workshops and meditations Mm -hmm. because obviously bees hate noise and hate vibrations so yeah so never had anything loud in there before you see uh-huh so your, your bees are flying around inside the bee house or is there entrance on the outside of the bee house the entrance is on the outside yeah yeah uh but what's great is the the whole of the bee house is kind of imbued with this sort of bee energy which of course it is yeah smells and the for, air and the yeah yeah mm. i mean for 15 years bees have lived in this bee house great and, great um it carries that on so when people go inside they go oh i really feel this you know and what i've done is i've put some small speakers around the inside so Mm -hmm. people can go in 
on their own or we had a family yeah. who just went in together and it's still and happening every just, sunday is it still happening every saturday yeah. every saturday sorry yeah in Finsbury yeah. park and, and then workshops on the first saturday of the month okay great where you can build your own bee synthesizer and yeah we're, we're doing stuff with um, a new thing which is uh plant synthesizer and that's um it uses um recycling it's made out of old um milk cartons yeah and then there's a plant a house plant usually inside yeah i'm working on it to, to include bee friendly plants for next year as well excellent and you can actually listen to the sound of the plant or the earth um we have electrodes in the earth <laughs> and people can play with these and make their own synths once a month i've got a couple of friends helping with these workshops they're running them um so we're just trying to expand things out so it's become a real um you know needed place really for mm -hmm. this time um and are the bees back in yet or are they still outside no they're not going back in until next year until next year um, yeah and we're just going to have one hive in there which is an observational hive uh, okay um and people are going to uh, we have a i have a friend who teaches the beekeeping part yeah um i'm just really managing the place now yeah but I have taught beekeeping there for 10, 15 years. I think I've taught for 11 years beginner's beekeeping class and for four years advanced beekeeping class. So, And do these people know, your, know you as your everyday self or do they also know you as Bioni Samp? Which is, uh, they, know, they know me as Bioni. Yeah. Bioni, yeah. Uh, uh, can you talk about the name? It's quite a, yeah, a unique um, name, isn't it? It is. It's. It's a name I chose to not really draw attention to me as my real personality. You know. Yeah. I. I wanted to kind of. Um, well, I suppose I was influenced like by Banksy, really. You know. I yeah. mean, yeah. everybody knows his artwork, but nobody knows him. Well, that yeah, uh, that's something I was going to ask you as well on all of your. Um, YouTube videos you're always veiled and we can never s see the front of your face even when you're veiled and it's, and it's like there's it's I like that actually it's kind of like um as an, an enigmatic sort of showmanship to, to all of your work well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. is it because are you just shy or is it is it actually have you done it because yeah. because that's uh because you want to the work to speak for itself or something like that or yeah I mean I I, I just I just like the approach with Banksy, how it, it's just about the ideas. It's just about the actual work. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to get my personal yeah. things involved, you know. Are you I Banksy? I didn't want to be kind of discussing <laughs> about how I'm a vegetarian or something, oh, so you, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. I just wanted to keep it totally bee-focused um, yeah. in, a, in a way. And I think that's worked. Um, I mean, some people know me, obviously, as myself. Yeah, okay. Who, who are close by. But, but most people know really... you as Bioni, which, yeah, which is spelt B-I-O-N-I. Yeah, it's I a... mean, it's taken from an Italian composer, okay. Bioni, who was, I think, around in the 18th right. century. Uh, I, I thought it was a mixture of bee and honey. That's what I thought that... But how it's said in yeah. Italian is is bioni, bioni. See, and I quite yeah. I quite liked that. And the, um, and the samp I, pit, pit on the end. I think it's just really sample sampling. Uh, I got um, you. Yeah. I mean, over the years, I've had many different names as as yeah. producer and credits on other music stuff, um, mm. and. I just thought I really need something new for this kind of new stage in my life, in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted a name what people remembered somehow as well. Yeah, it is memorable. But had a link. But had a link with kind of composing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. You know. Well, it went straight over my head. But now, now I've got. Now yeah. I'm there. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. And uh, so, would you say you're like a connoisseur of? be sound you know something that that you 
that every yeah, beekeeper I mean, kind of aspires to kind of listen to their bees and know their bees more intimately every year mm. and, and, the, and the, for the sounds that they make and the temperament and what that means and you know whether they're happy or sad or in need of something absolutely, yeah. would you say would you say that you could I mean, interpret and, and understand your bees more because of your your audio work you do with them yeah i mean it didn't really come about like that i mean i i was a a DJ and producer and worked in a lot of studios when I was younger. Yeah. And I developed a really bad back and I thought I really must get back to beekeeping and nature. Yeah. Just just because I I was in such a bad state. I took about a month off and then I went back to work and within three days I had this really bad back problem. So I really wanted just to... So I made a break with that and moved more into the natural world. But at the time I was running two things very separately. One was kind of being a pro DJ and then the other thing was doing eco building actually uh timber frame building yeah and and then i was making beehives and looking after them at an urban farm right and and then i thought hey i've got this is like the late sort of 90s and then i thought hey i've got this um dat machine which i've been using for production why don't i just leave it recording overnight and I was ah. very influenced by some people in the 60s who'd been using tape recorders running very slow to record bees. Okay. And the, and the main focus of that was to basically predict swarming. You know, right, I started right. out mm-hmm. recording bees not f- because I liked the sound of them or, you yeah. know, I thought it was going to be some kind of gimmick for synths or something at that time. It was... A totally kind of practical yeah, reason to, to which age your beekeeping. Only visit the, yeah, and, I, and I'd looked at a lot of um, research about it, and um, was influenced by this idea of you know trying to monitor hives if you're not there as well. <laughs> so if you did a recording each week you, around the time of swarming, you'd have a pretty good idea if you weren't there every day, which I wasn't about what time you could catch a swarm or split a hive, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started analysing the recordings using the music software I was using. And then I realised that by using a lot of um, complex filtering techniques, I could kind of isolate certain sounds within the hive from each bee Uh type. Uh So the queen, as you know, has got a very high-pitched piping sound. And then the drums have got this constant um, kind of low hum kind yeah. of sound. Yeah, and they're a bit louder, and, aren't they, than, than, yeah. a, than the worker bees. And then I thought, ah, this is really interesting. And at the time, things like um, noise-cancelling headphones were coming out. Yeah. And I'd been travel. I travel around the world on my own when I was younger, uh-huh. and that that had a big effect on me. And while I was flying, I remember trying out for the first time some noise-cancelling headphones, and I was amazed that they actually worked for a start. (laughs) (laughs) And it kept the 747 kind of (laughs) engine sound uh, away. You could still feel the kind of vibration of it, but... And I thought, this is interesting. This, This could relate to sounds in the beehive, whereby you know at at a dinner party Mm -hmm. if you want to get here you you tap a spoon on a glass and that creates a high-pitched noise above Mm -hmm. the general Mm -hmm. volume and I thought in the hive it must be totally silent when it's in harmony and then if one bee wants to make its presence known (laughs) yeah it, it just pitches its voice up a bit you know right so I started thinking about that and then I created um, a, a, a bee frame with several microphones on it. Which and what I kind of adjust. hives do you have? I've got Langstroth's. Yeah. Um, okay. And but but because, they're, because they're in a bee house, I guess they're more insulated from outdoor sounds, aren't they, I guess, than the other yeah. hives would be? I mean, the bee house... 
um, it, it's quite a unique facility because it's it's the only one I know of which has got disabled access. Um, so the bee house, um, what I was doing with that was basically um, testing a lot of hives, basically. And me and a friend of mine came up with this horizontal hive, which didn't, didn't require right. any lifting. So yeah. it was perfect for people who had bad backs or were in mm-hmm. a wheelchair to still be able to access beekeeping. Like, like the Dartington hive, I suppose. That was part of his thinking, it's, wasn't it? It's similar to the Dartington hive, and I took that principle and kind of combined it with log hives as well yeah. to come up with this and tested this over many years Um and then different prototypes and I came up with you know I was looking at log hives and how bees just won't the queen won't really lay further than a few frames out of her area you know so in the end I ended up dispensing with the queen excluder in these hives I just Uh found that the Queen liked to have a bit of ventilation and she'd be mm-hmm. on the first sort of five frames in general. Yeah. And then the rest of it was just, you know, honey. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get, you know, um, the Queen laying in the honey as well. Yeah. But it never happened. It didn't so happen. I just, yeah. just went with it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, still, still love something about beekeeping. I mean... I was very fortunate as a child to get introduced to it at, at about seven years old in Yorkshire. Okay. Um, and next door had bees oh, and I... Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my father had um, quite a big kind of small holding set up uh-huh. and I was given, you know, quite a lot of jobs at a really young age. I mm-hmm. mean, like, Five years old, I'd be feeding chickens. You know, six years old, mm-hmm. I was feeding the pigs and stuff, yeah. and moving moving goats about, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I found we did, we had quite a lot of rabbits as well. But I right. found I had a terrible allergy to um, you know fur, um, ah. furry animals. Basically, I have a terrible allergy with cats, unfortunately. I'm okay with most dogs, but um, so once I found beekeeping, I really kind of honed in on that, and I just used to go and actually hang out around the beehives. Yeah, as as a kid, you know. Um, At first, the first time I actually was introduced to bees, I just ran away. I think (laughs) it was just too much to take, really. uh, When one of them landed on my shoulder. Um, but curiosity brought me back, you know, and then I realised I was okay with them and just really liked actually being in this little apiary and I think I built a den nearby it so I could actually be there as well when I had time. So still, um, you know, remember those times very fondly even though where I was doing that as a child is now a big estate, unfortunately. It's the modern progress of disappearing wild areas, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I suppose that's part of uh, why you're working with as Bioni Samp now, not just to highlight the plight of the, the honeybee, but also the whole of the ecosystem that they're and we are part of you know and and how that's changed since your youth and my youth yeah and and what's going to happen next for sure i mean i've got a lot of ideas about this but yeah um you know i you know i i see the world as um a bit like a bit of a pie chart you know Mm um um that's not to say it's flat. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> you're not a flat earther. Yeah. No, I, I still believe it's round. Um, yeah. But when I see the world, I see it as a pie chart, which is mm. 
one third humans, yeah, yep. two thirds domesticated animals, yeah, well, and then wild animals is like down to I think three percent now. It's a tiny sliver of the, you know, the pie uh, chart. Uh. So that's how I see things, mm-hmm. and I see we're all human, you know, and that we can just put a full stop there. And then we've got a hell of a lot of domesticated animals, which, yeah. are, you know, unfortunately a lot of these are in factory farms. Yeah. And then we've got this tiny sliver of kind of wild animals, which mm-hmm. is, you know, rhinos on the verge of extinction yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm very much aware of the, the whole picture and um, like to keep my attention focused on those slices of the pie and what's happening really you know yeah i don't like to get too much into um you know politics on that because i see it as a huge distraction if you see my world view you know it's just (laughs) people kind of arguing among themselves over nothing yeah i mean i guess the trick is you know yeah find your world view but accept other people's are going to have a different one for um, sure and, and uh, so uh, so the your the ultimate goal of your sound sculptures and music is to raise awareness or is it to just to kind of not to show people the way but to encourage people to be more aware of bees or what what is it that you would yeah, ideally I, happen to someone after or during well, their listening I, I think i think it's like you know, majority of people have spent lockdown watching TV or being online and stuff. And I'm really seeing it now quite quite bad kind of, um, you know, people bump into me all the time in London. Uh-huh. They've got no physical awareness of space mm-hmm. any longer. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is, is make some kind of artwork with bees, yeah. which... Re- reconnects people back to nature yeah that's that's the the first and foremost things i think that mm-hmm. you know first nation people people in the amazon jungle have got a lot for us to learn from really? in terms of how to take care of yeah. nature mm-hmm. and our environment yeah um and because people are so disconnected i'm hoping that my efforts in my art you know, video, sound, um, just running meditation workshops mm-hmm. with bees. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it basically allows people to enter into that natural space again, you know. Yeah, and w- once um, you start, I mean, if, if you even if, yeah, once you start keeping bees, you become more intimately aware of the, the turning of the seasons and the forage that's available yeah. and just, just all these subtle little things uh, open your eyes wider and wider, don't they? And, and Absolutely, more, I mean, more, more sensitive. I mean, I follow the beekeepers' calendar quite um, strictly, and I know all the flowers, the trees. Like in the park, it's very front, what's called front-loaded, which is we get a, a lot of um, honey in springtime, yeah, because there's there's a huge amount of lime trees in the park. Uh-huh. And then it really tails off a bit in the summer and then comes back with kind of late things around this time, which would be the end of the sunflowers, the yeah. the, the, the bits of poison ivy around, stuff like that, autumnal um, flowers and stuff. And, yeah, I mean, it really does connect you to the natural world cycles. Um and you know you have to think about other things to do with like climate change i've had to make more um warmer hives basically you know i think Mm -hmm. that back in time it'd be very rare if it actually dropped below freezing you know um here in london anyway right and you know we've had over the last sort of 15 years some quite severe winter patches where it's really dropped cold Mm -hmm. unexpectedly and a lot of beekeepers in the uk have lost bees because of this you know yeah 
Yeah, um, it happens from time to time. They succumb to the weather, can't they? And, uh, but people who influence me, you know, are people like, you know, Brother Adam. Yep. Um, I love his documentary. What I saw that in the 70s and was very influenced by it. Yeah. And I love the idea of a guy travelling, well, I think he did over 90,000 miles or something. Mm-hmm. And he, he, you know, dedicated his life to bees and raising diseases within bees and bee breeding, which I, is a, a thing I like as well, bee breeding. Right. Um, and I... You know, I'm influenced by people who are committed like that, and I'm yeah, so glad really I found your. Yeah. I'm so glad, you know, I found your podcast with well, similar people. Thanks for being a part um, of it. We really appreciate it, and and you know, of course, we're going to play some of your music on this podcast, and you have, you know, you have a, uh, other links that we'll put on on the website as well. And it's really yeah. good, really good to have you with us and and to be part of this and and to, and to discover you and your work because I hadn't you know hadn't heard of you before. Yeah, I'm really um, not as much well known in the UK. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those kind of things whereby, like, I mean, I remember doing a gig in Prague and a guy came along who's a beekeeper. Yeah, and keep keeps bees at the airport there actually. Right. And he says, oh, my, even my grandfather's here to you. And I says, <laughs> what? Yeah. I says, what? How, how? How? And he says, oh, don't you know you're like in the national Czech paper? You're on Czech radio, wow. which is the sec- second yeah. oldest radio station in the world, you know. <laughs> and, That's um, great. It's the people, Italian name maybe as well. It gives you that international yeah. appeal. And, uh, and so, um, but now we've discovered you in in this country, um, we'll be seeing a lot more of you, I hope, and hearing a lot more from yeah. you. So, what do you think's next? What's coming up next? Do you think in your in your work? Well, I'm, I'm um, working on various um, ideas with the Bee House. Yeah. Um, one one thing I'm working on currently is to turn it into a giant antenna, um, <laughs> which um, so it's going to be like a kind of EMF frequency reader built into the bee house yeah um it won't be transmitting frequencies but it'll be receiving them yeah um and then i've got a few installation ideas but i'm still doing you know i i did a show in um ours electronica um virtually um just a few weeks back in linz linz austria um so I mean, B sounds are you know they are they're universal, aren't they? So it doesn't matter what language you speak or even what species you are. You know that that sound is is a uh, is, we're just getting, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and I I spent quite a bit of time now meditating with these sounds and um, with others and on my own and. It really does have a deep kind of effect on people, I find. Um, there's a there's a yogic meditation, isn't there? I don't know if you know it. There's um, it's uh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Kapalabhati? Some kind of Kapalabhati where you stick your thumbs onto those flat flap of skin in your ears and close your ears up, and then you place the rest of your fingers uh, yeah. on top of your head to hold the, the cranium of your head. Close your eyes. Yeah. Try at home, folks. Now and uh, and then so you, mm. you've locked up your ears and you, your hands are capping your cranium, and then you take these lovely long in breaths. And as you exhale, you hum, mm, and you can feel the vibrations oh. on, on the top of your head. And then in your mind's yes. eye, you follow the bee to the uh, to the nectar. This is how I was taught when I was taught by a, yeah. kind of a, a yogi years ago. And Very it, nice. So, so you have this, this lovely long inhalation. And as you exhale, you just, mm, and in your mind's eye, you go, mm, and follow the, the bee to the nectar, and it's delicious. And you can do it with the, uh, the, the yoni mudra as well, which is like, um, which is like your fing- little fingers on your lips, and then your nose, and then your eyes, and your ears. So you, you must like, yeah. um, you must like blocking off all the other sensory organs and just tuning into the, that internal sound. And when, the, mm. when your mind kind of latches onto those, the internal sound of the internal energy system and that hum, 
it's like nectar yeah. for the mind as well. It, it stops all the all that kind of monkey Very mind nice. chattering away, and you just yeah. get. Yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to do. So, is that is that the kind of thing that you oh. that you teach in your bee house of meditations or? I, t- I teach deep deep breathing and deep listening. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. Um, I wanted. To, I mean, I talked a bit about it earlier. I wanted to ask yeah. you about about the temperament of bees and that and did you know how the sound might change how their sounds and noises they create might change according to their temperament and and are you are you at that place where you can tell um how happy or sad or defensive or relaxed they yeah are? i mean i you know um there's there's lots of outside factors as well you know i mean if if i if i have my mobile phone in my pocket and it rings. I notice bees try and sting my pocket. I noticed that too. Like yeah, the that, yeah. The, I don't in, like in the fact, hot signal. No, even even um somebody with a digital camera, if they sort of whip it out and, and start using, it, I think they're something about the the electricity working inside the camera tends to annoy them, and they'll head straight for it, a camera or a phone. That's yeah, I mean, it? they do have static electricity on them. Um, yeah, and I think they pick up on these feels. Nice to chat, Chris, and uh, look forward to meeting up one day. And, yeah, great, um, me too. And if you're in London, you can come along and visit the Bee House, of course. Love to, well. love to come to Finsbury Park and see the Bee House. And also, I'd love to, I'd love to be standing in a, I don't know, a, a dance floor somewhere, listening to your incredible music. I do hope that happens sometime soon. Absolutely. After the, after the pandemic. So thank you, farewell, and and we'll be in touch. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Bye-bye for now, then. Bye. Bye. Carl, that was... uh, That's amazing. He's just... Bioni's one of those, another person, a bit like um, James Fernley, actually, that we were talking to um, in the last episode. He, um, He does does a lot of different things doesn't he he's got such a coloured history of of music and his involvement in music um and it's really interesting to hear how he got into sampling and making synthesizers and this amazing bee house uh i'd like to go there wouldn't you chris yeah it's great that that's that's there functioning uh you know from time to time obviously not at the moment so much but that it's a this be medicinal meditational resource in an inner city and that's that seems to be like a current theme a recurrent theme of his to take you you know to into like the like a dance floor or an inner city or a kind of urban space to then take this natural somehow energy and medicine and blessings of, of bees yeah i can see how that could really could really appeal to people i mean i used to live in a city and i know that you know it's easy in a city to to lose the connection with 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 the outside world with with nature i mean obviously cities have got parks and things like that but it's to -hmm. bring something in where you're bringing in um you know the sounds of nature and all the uh sort of learning learning you can get from that and he's obviously very much a a person who wants to pass on uh his knowledge and his his experience of of bees and their importance in you know the natural world to other people, yeah, which is brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? There's some there's some natural bee traction within the abstraction of the of the city and the dance floor. It's a really good to have that. Yeah, yeah. In, in today's mechanized world, isn't it? It's really good to have. You know, I really love the fact if you're in a club and you're listening to Bioni's music, uh, and you weren't expecting it. Obviously, you're you're seeing a man there um, dressed in a bee suit, <laughs> which is which is a pretty pretty amazing i mean you know you're not going to be expecting that are you particularly um and he, and he is he's quite big isn't he in 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 europe i mean he's much he's much as he says he's much better known in in, in european uh clubs and uh festivals and things like that but i imagine if you were there and you saw this figure and you heard the music and then suddenly the sounds of these bees came out and you your mind would i think be automatically brought you know, to a diff- into a different dimension, um, and and brought towards, uh, you know, maybe brought out of the club into a sort of more natural setting. It might help people connect 
with um, with nature. Yeah, and certainly consider nature or even, you know, conjure nature within their mind more. I mean, it's a great, it's a blend, isn't it? It's, a, it's quite sort of a blend. It, on one level, his, I think his music is quite industrial, isn't it? And it's maybe, maybe that's what, what he's expressing, those yeah. two parts of his life where he, you know, he's in the beehive and he's with the bees and the, and the honey and the bee produce and the forage that he's aware of. But he's also, you know, in a car, on a tube, on a bus, in a city, surrounded by the all, all the goings on of, of the industry of, of modern contemporary society. True. So, again, so true. maybe that's just what's what's coming out of him is that that he's expressing that, you know, that's just yeah. what he's what he's perpetuating because he's like input and output, isn't there? When you're an artist, you, that's you sort of a process stuff that that you'd be going through, don't you? And that's his way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. And his music is quite different, isn't it? Some of it is more spacious and more like noise of a beehive or bee-inspired noises and, and little trick, tricksy things. And other 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 tracks are more like traditional sort of dance, disco-esque sort of type type things that you would kind of groove around to on a dance floor. Yeah. So here, so here's one of those. Let's play one of those. This one is called "I Love Honey." So enjoy, enjoy. Uh, a bit of a groove around if, you, if, you, if you're going to be grooving around your kitchen wherever you might be to Bioni Samp and uh, we'll see you next time cheerio see you next time bye